Welcome to Our True Colors, hosted by Shauna Gann. Join her as she explores the challenges of being a racial riddle, an ethnic enigma, and a cultural conundrum. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Our True Colors. Thank you for joining me. This week, I'll share with you an interview with Ashley Boren, the author of Sounds Perfect. It's a new book set for publication in July. Ashley's from San Diego, California, and she's a recent graduate from the University of California, Santa Barbara. There, she studied communication and professional writing. Ashley is also a recipient of the University Service Award. It's given in recognition of dedicated service to the university, its students, and the community. In this episode, Ashley and I discuss the characters of her book and the journey that they go on with their own identity and sense of belonging. It's just really interesting. I, I love that she talks about the nuances of being multiracial and that every person that has a similar ethnic background is not a monolith. It's a really interesting talk. We also discuss what this might look like given our current climate and how people tend to navigate these things. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hi, Ashley. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm, I'm really glad to have you here so that you can talk about your book and you know the story that is really relevant to today and to a lot of people. So welcome. Yeah, thank you so much, Shauna. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Could we start with you telling us a little bit about the plot of your story of the story? Yeah, definitely. Um, so my book, which is called Sounds Perfect, it follows the unlikely friendship between Kat and Stella. Stella is a famous singer, and Kat pushes Stella to use her fame to make a difference. And the story is really about how each of us make an impact, but it's also a story about friendship, heartbreak, forgiveness, and really how our lives are never as perfect as they seem on the outside. Mm, that's a very good summary. For those of you listening, I had the good fortune to uh, read ahead. Ha-ha, so <laughs> I will tell you, it is very good. And it does capture all of those things. And there's several themes, actually, that emerge. Um, one of them, and, and we'll get into the characters and, and those things, but I did want to kind of talk about the concept of intersectionality, because with these different themes, and when we look at these characters as they kind of develop together, we can see a lot of similarities, but then also some differences and how these different themes make a difference to them in terms of their identity and who they are. So intersectionality is basically the overlap of social categorizations, such as uh, race, class, and gender, although it can include other things. And mm -hmm. it is really in terms of how they apply to the individuals or groups of people who are generally marginalized, or that is people who are pushed to the edges of society, so to speak. And so in, in Sounds Perfect, we have these two ladies, Kat and Stella, both of whom are multiracial and multicultural. So as the story develops, you begin to learn a little bit more about their Mexican roots. And what's interesting is they both kind of come from different economic realities, or at least at the present time when we meet Kat and Stella, it's a, a mm -hmm. difference. I also like that it explores the dynamics between parents and children as we learn a little bit about their 
histories with their families. And the story also touches on some LGBT plus issues. So there's a lot packed into this. And I haven't even gotten to the part about social justice. <laughs> so you've heard <laughs> quite a bit. <laughs> but it was so good because there's so many things that I think you know readers can relate to, even if it's not everything, there's something that someone can pull out of it. Yeah, so. I mean, that's the hope. I, I know that there's, it sounds like there's a lot of themes in there. And like, I kind of had to narrow them down as I was writing and I kind of started to focus on certain ones. But yeah, I think I think that all the issues in my in my book are definitely related. And like you mentioned, the class differences with Kat and Stella, there's definitely differences in the privileges they have, even though they're both half white and half Mexican. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking about that. But one thing I do like is there's an emphasis in the book about you know, finding your passion or using your passion to guide you in terms of service or giving back. So I kind of like that, you know, at least to start there. Yeah, definitely. And that was something I was thinking about. That was um, what I was thinking about before I started writing the book, because I was struggling with that with myself, because, you know, I was going into my senior year of college. Now I'm at the very end of it. I'm in my last week of it. And I was thinking about what I wanted to do after college. And there were all these thoughts about, oh, like, should I work for a nonprofit? Oh, should I work in entertainment? Like, <laughs> there were so many mm -hmm. different roads. And it's kind of like, well, can you do what you love or at least enjoy or what you're interested in while also making a difference? Or do you just have to kind of choose one? And one thing that really got me thinking about it was, um, I think it's actually one of Chelsea Handler's shows on Netflix, and she was interviewing America Ferreira. And they were on the UCLA campus where America Ferreira went to college, and she was saying that, you know, she had acted in a movie, and she went to one of her professors, and just started crying and said, like, I, I need to be a lawyer. Like I can't be an actress. Like there's so many issues. I need to be a lawyer. Like that's how I'm going to make a difference. And then her mm -hmm. professor told her that he showed one of her movies to one of his students and her parents who was, I believe she was Latina, like America Ferreira is. And it really helped her parents understand why she was choosing to go to college. And it seriously helped him connect with this student and her family, get her support and help her stay in school. And that was the impact that America Ferreira's movie had on this person. So that was yeah. what started to get me to think about was, okay, like there are things you feel like you should do, but then there are also things that you really want to do and that you really love. And now if you look at America Ferreira, she's doing incredible activist work while also right. being an actress. And she wouldn't have the audience she has now if she hadn't pursued her love for acting. So that's just one example. You know, of course, not, not all of us are going to end up being America Ferreira. <laughs> but I right. mean, it, it is that question of, it's that balance of, can I be doing what I enjoy? Can I have like my own sphere, my own sector, and then still make a difference while I'm doing whatever that is? Mm -hmm. I mean, each of us has the opportunity to have some kind of platform. It might be different sizes, let's say, or have mm -hmm. uh, different uh, reach 
but it's still possible. So definitely. Do you see yourself in your characters, either of them at all? I do. Yeah. Um, not, none of them, neither of them completely, but with certain parts for sure. And a lot of it is inspired by like personal experiences. Definitely. I think it's hard not to write about that. Um, of course, with Stella, that one's an obvious difference. <laughs> Not famous <laughs> at all. But there Yet. are a lot of emotions. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but there there are a lot of emotions that she goes through. And I think a lot of people can relate to that feeling of feeling alone sometimes. And then with Kat, I definitely identify with wanting to make a difference, but not knowing how to do it. And also, also with Kat being super close to her family, that's definitely something I, I relate to. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you mentioned Stella's feeling of loneliness. And I think there are sometimes just based on Kat's assignment, let's say, where she kind of felt alone at times. And, you know, also we know that both of these ladies are multiracial. They are Mexican and white. And I wondered how you kind of develop their characters from your own perspective in terms of what it's like to have, you know, different ancestry, you know, to have mixed ancestry. And uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about, about that. Yeah, definitely. Right when I decided I was going to write a fiction book, I knew, okay, I'm creating characters. They're definitely going to be multi-ethnic because um, you don't usually read books about that um it's just not as largely representative and especially for myself being half white and half mexican that's just the experience i know and i've never read a book with characters of that background specifically so when i was developing it i figured okay i want both of them to be multi-ethnic because i don't want one of them to represent everybody's experience because it's going to come off like i'm doing that I wanted to explore the differences and how two people's experiences can be so different just because of whether it's their last name. For Kat, her last name is Gonzalez. And for Stella, her last name is Knight. So that can make differences in privilege, the way that they look. Also, their relationships with their family. Kat um, is from San Diego, like I am, so another similarity. Um, and she's super close to her family. and. Um, her father, who is Mexican-American, is still alive, but her mom has passed away, and her mom is white. And so she's very much connected to that um, family back home, pretty connected to the culture. And then for Stella, I don't think this is too big of a spoiler, but I'll just say she doesn't have um, a strong family support system. So she's kind of been separated from her culture for a while and so you can see those differences and how big of an impact just your family can have on your own identity and your own experiences and I also wanted to make it clear that you know these two girls are they have a very complicated friendship but they're not friends because they're both mixed or anything like that you know, they can bond over certain things, but there's so much more to them. So I definitely wanted to make that clear. But um, there, there's probably so many other things, you know, I, I could have put in the book. But when you're trying to fit plot lines and everything, you can't get everything you ever want to say about 
being multi-ethnic <laughs> into one book. <laughs> and that's not what the story's focus was, right? So that's mm-hmm. understandable, but I think you're right. I think it's interesting. And one thing that I like that you said was that their friendship or their relationship was not based on the commonality of their ethnic backgrounds. I like that you said that because sometimes people will assume that people with similar backgrounds or similar ancestry would just automatically click and be friends. And Mm -hmm. like, just because there's another person of color doesn't mean that, oh, you know, I'm black and you're black. Let's be friends. (laughs) You know, people are more than their ethnicity. They are more than what they look like. So I actually like that, that you left it like that. You know, it was just happenstance that they shared that. Mm-hmm. part and the rest was about them and and their situation that they're working through so the other thing you know I just in telling that little story about belonging that's one of the premises of this show on our true colors is when you are and when you are a person of mixed race or if you come from a multicultural home sometimes it can be hard to find your place let's say you know, like mm-hmm. where, who are my people? <laughs> you know, it doesn't have yes. to be always someone's exactly like you, but it does make it kind of a challenge to fit in. So even though I have mostly identified as a black woman monoracially, it's still sometimes kind of hard to find where I fit in, mm-hmm. you know, or culturally just because, and there's more to it than my ancestry. It also has to do with like where I've lived and my other experiences. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you find that that's tricky for you also being multiracial? It can definitely. And I've noticed sometimes when, not when I'm with my family, like that's different. Like I feel like I belong in my family. Um, But often if I'm around Mexican or Mexican American people, whether it's just friends or anybody who's talking, especially if they're just talking about like the culture, like if they're talking about certain foods or, anything like that, or or even if they're talking about, like, Spanish words, I don't speak Spanish. And actually, neither Kat or Stella do either. Um, then I'll start to feel like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not Mexican enough. Or like, yeah, like, I, I'm Mexican, but I don't know everything. That's another aspect of it, too. It's whether you're first generation or what generation you are, mm-hmm. which I'm not. And then also, sometimes if I'm around a group of white people, and they're talking about certain things I'll start to feel like oh this is I don't know I'll just I'll feel kind of out of place in either group Mm -hmm. and but I also recognize that I often do pass as white especially with my last name so that sense of discomfort might just be for me they also that's another thing sometimes um with white people they will say something to me that is problematic um and especially when it's about mexican people i'll be like do they know that i'm mexican and they're still saying it or do they think i'm white and i'm okay with it it's it's very strange because people are saying things to your face when you think okay maybe they wouldn't say that to me if they knew um, my background Mm. but again that is a privilege for people to find out what my background is yeah Wow. How do you handle that when that happens? When people say something like that, it doesn't happen too often, thankfully. But when it has happened before, 
I remember one time in particular, somebody had made a comment about like driving checkpoints. And since we're from San Diego, we're pretty close to the border, to the Mexican border. And somebody had said like, oh, like it's good that they're checking for certain people. And I was like, I don't remember what I said, but I was like, what? <laughs> like, what are you mm-hmm. talking about? I think I, I try to get them to say it explicitly so that mm-hmm. I can really either point out to them what they're actually saying. But honestly, a lot of it's internal and it's in my head and I, I kind of freeze in that moment. I don't know what to say. It's, it's weird. But thankfully, it doesn't happen too often. Yeah. But another thing is that as far as perceptions go, a lot of times people of color will assume I'm white and then white people will often be able to tell that I'm mixed. And it's really weird. <laughs> So I'm like, well, then what do I look like? (laughs) So again, that's that ethnically ambiguous sort of thing where you don't know how you're being perceived all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. Huh. Yeah. It depends on the perceiver, like who it is. Exactly. Yeah. And I know it's what's really interesting is we do tiptoe around the topic of race a lot and Actually, given the current circumstances, I feel like we really are on the edge. Like we are at a tipping point where I feel like this movement is going to push us over to the side that we have been needing to be on for a long time. But with that comes, I think, a lot of in-your-face kind of conversations. And I don't mean in-your-faces and like mean and nasty, but where we are starting to find ourselves having dialogue particularly in places that we never would have before or that we avoid anyway. For example, um, workplaces, you know, people are really starting to examine their diversity and looking at, you know, the fact that people do experience life in different ways, depending on what they look like or, you know, what society has set up for them, let's say. And that includes, you know, what it looks like at work. And I found that interesting because to me, this is my opinion, these are conversations that we've needed to have for a long time, whether that's with family members, friends, you know, neighbors or your colleagues. But race has always been one of those topics that you just don't talk about. So I don't know. Have you been engaging in more conversation more openly with folks or have you been noticing that happening? I think to to an extent i have um and with i definitely talk about it with my friends very openly but i think we kind of always have um mm. and then as far as work goes i think it's hard also just because we're all quarantined so i'm seeing <laughs> people less often anyways but um i know that at my work uh, my bosses have um addressed it and talked about it. And I mean, also, I am in California, um, you know, pretty liberal leaning, and I go to a UC. And these, whenever things like this happen, well, I guess not every time things happen, but when something this big happens, you know, they'll put out a statement and all of that. But I think it's, it's, it feels hard to move the conversation off of social media right now just because we are all quarantined and not necessarily that's a bad bad thing. Honestly, I think 
because I'm, I'm quarantining with my friends. We already talk about race, but I think that this um, just kind of made us talk about it more often because there is so much going on. What has this experience been like for you as a person with mixed ancestry who is not Black? Mm -hmm. I have been erring on the side of caution, and I think I've been doing this for a while, but especially now I err on the side of caution and assume that people will view me as white, and I assume that I mean, I do have white passing privilege, but I also assume that I operate in society with white privilege. So I take that on um, in terms of privilege. Doesn't mean I'm, it doesn't take away from me being half Mexican American, but um, mm-hmm. I, I try to check myself and I try to learn and I know that I won't say everything perfectly. And I know that I, along with so many other people, of course I have subconscious biases. How could you not when you grow up in a society that is racist? Like it's just institutional racism. So how it has been to see all of this happen is I have to remember that my feelings are not the center of it. Um, This, And I, I try to also think back to things like when Ahmaud Arbery when he was killed, I did not do that much research about it. I did not do enough when that happened. And that's on me. And so I know that I can't pretend like I'm not also part of the problem. Um, I think you it's just you have to assume that you are and then do things to change. And also one thing that I've been seeing circulating on social media is that if you are white or I'm taking it on also as passing as white. You have access to certain spaces that black people um, or other people of color, but right now specifically black people do not have access to. Um, So you can have those tough conversations and you can try and control your own anger and make it come out so that the people you're talking to will perceive it, will, will take it in, not get too defensive and actually listen and learn. I mean, as much as you can. Just the fact that you can reflect and honestly say to yourself, I need to have more awareness and take it upon myself to educate myself and and learn what's going on with people and with, you know, these broken systems that we have. I mean, that's a big deal. A lot of people don't even take that step. I think any kind of action is meaningful for this, you know, some people do want to protest or sign petitions or give donations or publish, you know, publish something. But even just speaking out is, I mean, all of that helps. So I think every one of us, I mean, I'm I'm black and I don't think I'm gonna always say the right thing either, because we're not all the same. And every black person's experience mm-hmm. is not the same. It can vary from where you live geographically or an, any number of things, right? So I don't know. I I think that's important what you said. And I think it's just so important also to be honest with yourself or for one to be honest with themselves, you know, like to be humble about it. We don't know everything, but we can help Mm -hmm. in, in ways that we know how. And if we don't know how to make the effort to find out. And I think also it's important to recognize like we need to research it ourselves. Like, stop putting emotional labor on Black people. People should not have to educate 
anybody else. <laughs> you know, there's been a lot of that happening. I know a lot of influencers or people with large followings on Instagram have been saying like, stop getting in my DMs and asking me what to do. Google it. Mm. It's so easy. So just, you know, it's important to take that on ourselves. Right. That's very true. Well, before we close so that we don't have to close on such a heavy note. I know. Can you tell us um, when and where we can find Sounds Perfect? Yes. Um, Sounds Perfect will be out on Amazon in July um, very soon. Exciting. Yeah. Okay, everybody. You have to get it. I just loved seeing the dynamic between these two, and I kept wondering how it was going to work out. Ashley, thank you so much for your time and for contributing to us with your writing and also your voice today. It's really been great talking to you. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we close? No, just thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm so happy that like I was even able to find your podcast. It's so nice to be able to find a space that's there for other mixed or multi-ethnic people. I think we, we need so many more of those. So thank you. Thank you for that. It's good for me too, because I get to have these conversations all the time. All right. Well, take care of yourself. And yeah, I don't know. Maybe we can uh, catch up again. You have to tell me how (laughs) how things are going. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) All right. Take care, Ashley. Thanks again. Yeah, thanks. You too. Well, everyone, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for hanging out. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to pick up a copy of Ashley's book. It's called Sounds Perfect, and you'll find it on Amazon in July. Check the show notes for information. I also want to thank you so much for leaving me feedback and the ratings. If you go to Apple Podcasts, leave me five stars and also a review so that I know what you love and so that others know what you love too. If you don't use Apple Podcasts, I encourage you to write to me directly. You can write to me at truecolors at shawnagan.com or head on to the website truecolorscast.com where you can find some cool stuff, but also the contact me page and leave me a message. In the meantime, be safe out there, y'all. Share a smile with someone and please find an opportunity to make someone feel welcome. Love y'all. Talk to you soon. Bye.